director for New York and New Jersey for ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, coming to you from the front lines. ADL is on the front line every day fighting anti-Semitism and hate, and this show brings that to you from the WVOX studios in New York. When one defines anti-Semitism, the formula is a simple and well-accepted one. It is hatred towards Jews. But that definition does not paint the full picture. It fails to outline the ways that this hatred manifests. And here we are talking about seven well-defined conspiracy theories, or what we call tropes. ADL has now created a special video series to describe these, which are being released over several weeks as this show airs. So I decided to devote this show to a deep dive into these tropes and to lifting up the video series that ADL has produced known as Anti-Semitism Uncovered. I have asked Ariel Tuckman to join me for this important discussion. He is the Senior Associate Director at ADL's Center on Extremism. Welcome, Ariel, to From the Frontlines. Thank you so much, Scott. So let's begin by briefly outlining these seven conspiracy theories or tropes, starting with the trope of power or control. What does it mean and, and how does it manifest? The trope of power is uh, one of the most popular and well-known uh, anti-Semitic tropes. And this is the idea that people may have heard that Jews somehow are in control of governments or the media or academia or Hollywood or finance. Uh, somehow behind the scenes, Jews are able to control some or all of these elements of society. And this is really troubling because in polls from ADL, we have found consistently that between 10 and 15 percent of Americans believe these things. So if you put 10 people in a room, the odds are likely that at least one of them believes that Jews are some sort of powerful, controlling force uh, in American society, which is also strange because historically, Jews have been powerless, uh, relatively powerless, when you think of all the persecutions that Jewish people have suffered. So this is a really important trope. The next myth or, or trope is, is the charge of disloyalty. Tell, tell us about that. Yeah, disloyalty is a little bit different from the trope of power that we talked about a second ago. If you think about it, the, the power trope is really talking about Jews as a collective, uh, that somehow Jews are in control of these things. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the Jewish person, your next-door neighbor who's Jewish, is in control of global finance. The charge of disloyalty, though, is a really pernicious one because it applies to potentially any Jew, right? It's the idea that Jews should be suspected of being not quite good citizens of the countries in which they live, not quite loyal the same way Americans are loyal uh, to our country. Jews somehow need to be suspect of having loyalty towards other Jews, whether those are other Jews in the U.S., Jews around the world, or most popularly now, uh, the idea that Jews are disloyal to America and are loyal to Israel. And in fact, in polling, we saw that 30 percent, over 30 percent of Americans believe that Jews are more loyal to Israel than to the United States. That's well, a very high figure. And, and third, and we see this a lot, is the trope of, of greed or, or money. Uh, the trope of greed is something that you see in a lot of literature. Of course, you know, people who uh, have read The Merchant of Venice uh, in, uh, in school or in their lives will be intimately familiar with the figure of Shylock, the greedy Jewish moneylender uh, who is, uh, who is um, you know, completely devoted to getting his pound of flesh. Uh, and this trope believes that Jews are primarily concerned with 
their own benefit, with their own profit, uh, putting themselves above everyone else. Um, and uh, it's really interesting because it, it fails to acknowledge that many Jewish people throughout history and even today have faced serious financial hardship. Um, and it, it obscures the fact that, uh, you know, many Jews are also, you know, quite, uh, you know, generous or philanthropic. So, you know, Jewish people run the gamut between those who are, um, you know, uh, who, who, who may be poor, Jews who may be rich, but they're no different from other people. Right, just uh, like so any, any other trip. people, for sure. And yeah. uh, the fourth is one we don't really see very often, which is the deicide charge. That that, But, of course, for millennia, that had been uh, a particularly pernicious conspiracy theory. Absolutely. The idea that Jewish people are somehow collectively responsible for killing Jesus uh, 2,000 years ago, not only that Jews at the time were responsible, but that somehow there is a, a existential curse, a divine curse that devolves upon every Jewish person who is either living at the time or who lived ever since. Uh, that is the idea of the deicide charge, that Jews are cursed. And unfortunately, this was preached by the Catholic Church, by many Protestant denominations, uh, you know, uh, throughout history, thankfully, the Catholic Church disavowed this idea, this belief, in the 1970s, and it has faded to some extent uh, from popular consciousness. And then we have the blood libel, which I think is perhaps the strangest of uh, of all of them. It, it seems so bizarre. Yeah, the blood libel is one of the strangest uh, and yet most dangerous allegations that Jewish people have faced. It, it accuses Jewish people of murdering non-Jewish people, and especially non-Jewish children, in order to use their blood for religious rituals. A truly disgusting and heinous allegation. And it originated in, in medieval Europe, where uh, non-Jewish people were highly distrustful of their Jewish neighbors, and they, it kind of allowed them to scapegoat Jews, that whenever a child would go missing, Instead of casting uh, any suspicion on uh, other folks in town, it was quite easy to blame Jewish people. And if you believe, based on the previous trope that we saw, the deicide charge, that Jews are actually responsible and cursed for killing Jesus, it's not too hard to stretch, according to that approach, to think that Jews are responsible for killing non-Jewish children as well. And, of course, you know, I think it really extends to be about just not treating non-Jews fairly. Absolutely. An additional element to it is the belief that Jews don't think that non-Jews are fully human. That's another element of this belief. Really, particularly bizarre. And then, of course, we have uh, Holocaust denial, a really pernicious conspiracy theory that has gotten new life, I would say, on social media. Holocaust denial is actually somewhat misunderstood. Some people think that Holocaust denial is simply a question of whether people fully understand history, could be simply a factual error in you know how many Jews were killed in the Holocaust. But when you think about it, people who deny the Holocaust are essentially promoting an anti-Jewish conspiracy theory that draws on many of the other tropes that we've talked about here. Because essentially what they're saying is the entire world believes that six million Jews were killed in the Holocaust. Why? Because Jewish people, out of their own greed or lust for power, created this myth that they were killed by the Nazis. And because of their power... They were able to pull off this tremendous hoax over the entire world. It relies on the belief in 
Jewish control of the media, Jewish control of governments, Jewish disloyalty, Jewish greed. So Holocaust denial is not just a question of fact, but it's truly a very pernicious uh, and problematic anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. And, and in the seventh, which is anti-Zionism, I think we see all of these come together, the, the Jew among nations and, and all of these different uh, conspiracy theories are, are applied to, uh, to Israel. Um, it's beyond the scope of, uh, of this conversation to talk about when uh, criticism of Israel rises to the level of, uh, of anti-Semitism, but that, that would really be the seventh. I just want to make sure we have time for me to ask you a really important question, which is while anti-Semitism is a form of social prejudice like systemic racism or Islamophobia or attacks against the AAPI community, these very specific tropes that you talked about look nothing like those other forms of social prejudice. And it, it may be very confusing for people who are not familiar with these tropes. I think that's a really good observation. You know, classic racism and classic bigotry often look at the marginalized group as somehow inferior to uh, regular people or, or average people. Um, they're not as smart. They are lazy. Think of any uh, stereotype, and you may find that. When it comes to Jewish people, the anti-Jewish stereotypes typically say that Jews are more powerful. They are better. They are smarter. They have a greater control. Uh, they are more manipulative uh, than other people. It's the difference between if regular racism is about punching down, very often anti-Jewish conspiracy theories and tropes are about punching up putting the Jew on a pedestal only to say that Jewish people are guilty uh, of committing heinous crimes because of the pedestal that they have been put on. And I think that because there are these differences and you have people who are not familiar with all of these tropes, uh, they, they don't have an understanding of what could be triggering for Jews and therefore uh, a way to be allies to Jews when it, when it comes to these tropes. You know, they may dismiss these as examples of uh, of something obscure as opposed to something that's part of a pattern. Absolutely. I think we've seen in our polling that these tropes, are, they exist between, you know, 10 and up to 30% of Americans believe at least some uh, of these ideas. And it has a real impact on Jewish people, uh, both collectively uh, and in, uh, in individually among your neighbors. If people want to see these videos, they can find them on social media. And if, uh, if the listeners want to look at the full anti-Semitism uncovered guide, which goes into great detail on all of this, uh, they can find it uh, at ADL's website at antisemitism.adl.org. Uh, Arya, I just want to thank you and the Center for the amazing work, Center on Extremism, that you're doing, fighting anti-Semitism, hate, and extremism. And, and thanks for being on today's show. Thank you so much, Scott. And, of course, a big thank you to the listeners who tuned in to From the Frontlines, either live on WVOX 1460 AM or as a podcast. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or on Spotify to ensure that you do not miss a show. Just search for From the Frontlines. And please engage in these important conversations throughout the week by following me on Facebook and Twitter. My handle is at Scott A. Richmond, and our hashtag is fighting hate for good.